You are listening to the Running With God podcast, more than nominal Christianity. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Running With God podcast. I am your host, Coach Darby. Very excited to have you back for another episode in this series that we're doing called Running to Finish Well, where we're looking at the race of life and we're talking about what it looks like to not only compete well in that race, but to finish well. But before we get started with our content, I just want to remind you of a few things in the life of this podcast. First of all, if you've enjoyed the Running With God podcast, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. If you subscribe and follow this podcast, those newest episodes will be delivered directly to your mobile device. I would also encourage you to leave a review of this podcast. Um, I only have really one review that I'm aware of, and I would love to see that number grow. So take a moment to review this podcast. I think it'll help me to get this podcast out to more listeners. Uh, At this point, we have listeners in multiple countries around the world, but predominantly in the United States. And I'm very excited to, to spread the ministry of this podcast to the far reaches of the earth. I would also like to encourage you to visit the Running With God podcast Facebook page and follow us on Facebook. There are going to be lots of upcoming announcements made on the Facebook page regarding events in the life of this podcast. One of those events I'm going to talk to you about right now. On Saturday, March the 26th, if you live anywhere near Spartanburg, South Carolina, that would include North Carolina, Georgia, maybe even Tennessee, I would encourage you to look up an event called the Holston Creek Cross Country 5K Run. This is a race, trail race, that takes place at the beautiful Holston Creek Park in Inman, South Carolina. What makes this race unique and special is that not only is it a trail 5K, but with a quarter mile to go, you're given a two by four piece of lumber to carry to the finish line on your back. It's meant to symbolize Christ carrying his cross to the finish line of Calvary. And at the finish line, it's just a very unique event. You, of course, finish the race. There's refreshments there. But what makes it very special is you're able to lay your piece of lumber at the foot of a cross that's been erected right near the finish line. You're handed a Sharpie, and we encourage you to write a message of encouragement or a favorite Bible verse on your lumber. And we reuse the lumber year after year. So at this point, we've got numerous races behind us, lots of messages of encouragement. It's just a very special event that gets your heart in the right posture for Easter. Um, Last but not least, I want to encourage you to send me an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com. And I've said in the past I would like to receive emails of physical addresses so that I could send our listening audiences some swag packs. I've got some great free giveaways that I would like to mail out to you. But I'm going to challenge you with something different today, something that my heart has been burdened with here recently. And that is I want to be a prayer partner for you. Um, and I've got access to a network of prayer partners. If you have a prayer request 
even if it's an unspoken prayer request, I would encourage you to reach out and email me. I will pray for you diligently, and I will provide your prayer request to a network of prayer partners, and we will lift you and your need up in prayer because that's pretty much my goal for 2022 is to strengthen my prayer life. And we're going to be talking about some of the things um, related to that on future episodes of this podcast. But for right now, we're going to dive into our content today with our third episode on running to finish well. Now, normally on the podcast, when we get started, we start with a piece of scripture from God's word. And we're going to we're going to get to that, but we're going to start this episode a little bit differently today. We're going to start with a true story of a famous runner named Rosie Ruiz. Now, if you don't know about Rosie, back in April 21st of 1980, Rosie appeared to win the Boston Marathon's female category. She had a blazing fast time of two hours and 31 minutes and 56 seconds. Now, this time would have been the fastest female time for a female in Boston Marathon history, as well as the third fastest female time ever recorded in any marathon up until that point in history. However, after Rosie finished the race, lots of suspicion began to mount about um, her finish and her winning this race almost from the very beginning. One of uh, the most suspicious people of Rosie's win happened to be the men's winner of that year, which was Bill Rogers. Now, Bill Rogers is a very famous marathoner. I've had the privilege of meeting Bill. I've read his book. He's a fascinating guy, one of my personal favorite runners of all time. And in 1980, Bill Rogers had just won his third straight Boston Marathon. And I think what I love about Bill, just as a sidebar conversation, Bill was notorious for winning the Boston Marathon and essentially not having a ride home. So he would win the Boston Marathon. And in many cases, he would just, you know, dry himself off and literally run to work, which which is just funny when you think about a a world class athlete uh, not even taking the day off after winning one of the most famous races in the world. But one thing that made Bill very suspicious of this female champion, Rosie Ruiz, is because when she was being interviewed by members of the press after winning her her first Boston Marathon, she was asked some questions that, that most folks would know by heart. She was asked questions about her intervals and her splits that led to her success in winning the most famous race in the entire world, and she didn't have a clue what intervals or splits were, which on the other side of the fence, if you talk to Bill... Bill would have been able to tell you exactly what he was trying to do in that race and what led to his success. He would have been able to tell you the pace that he was shooting for, his per mile pace, his split. He would even been able to tell you about his interval training. And even when Bill talked to Rosie after the win, you can imagine two champions spending a little bit of time together in front of the press and celebrating winning one of the greatest races in the world. When Bill would have conversations with Rosie, she just seemed really clueless about anything that a professional runner would know a thing or two about, such as intervals and splits. Now, I am not a world-class runner, but I know what interval training looks like. And when I go into a marathon or a half marathon, I know what kind of split times, even plan for those split times, to the point to where now with modern technology, I upload my split times to my Garmin watch. But for a world-class athlete to not know what those things are, that was very concerning. 
Also, other observers of Rosie started to look at, at her physique. It was noticed that when Rosie finished the race that day, that she wasn't really panting. She wasn't out of breath. Her skin did not seem to be coated with as much sweat as it should be. And many observers noticed that Rosie's thighs were less lean and less muscular than you would expect from a world-class runner. Later on, Rosie was given a stress test that determined that her resting heart rate was 76 beats per minute. Now, just so you know, most female marathoners typically have a resting heart rate in the 50s or lower. The lower the resting heart rate, the more in shape you are as an endurance runner. 76 is not that good. 76, I can, I can do better than 76. And once again, I'm not a world-class runner. I'm more of a casual runner that runs anywhere from three to five days a week. And I can get my resting heart rate lower than 76 beats per minute. Well, in addition to this, when you look at her time of two hours and 36 min- 31 minutes, excuse me, this happened to be 25 full minutes faster than the time she qualified for Boston in. In other words, you have to run a qualifying race to be able to run the Boston Marathon. Rosie's qualifying race happened to be the New York City Marathon six months earlier. And at the New York City Marathon, she was literally 25 minutes slower than her performance at the Boston Marathon. Now, world-class marathoners... It's obvious that they like to improve just like everybody else. And many times when they train hard, they receive improvement on their time. But that improvement usually comes by seconds, maybe full minutes. 25 minutes is otherworldly. It's unexplainable. Even when he was interviewed, Bill Rogers looked at Rosie's time and thought it was completely impossible to improve that much in such a short amount of time. Well, needless to say, the truth came out about Rosie's tainted Boston Marathon victory. There were two Harvard students that came forward saying that they remember seeing Rosie burst out of the crowd about a half of a mile away from the finish line, and they thought that was suspicious. And then, of course, once they saw who had been determined the winner of the Boston Marathon, they were essentially reporting that they were witnesses to her cheating. Also, Some more truth came out about the New York City Marathon that Rosie qualified with. There was a lady that came forward saying she remembered talking to Rosie on the subway and that once they got off the subway, Rosie had a conversation with her that she was technically in this race and that she was injured and she was just trying to find a fast way to the finish line. Well, needless to say, she finished the New York City Marathon and finished as an actual finisher after once again just jumping in the race. Also, they launched a full-blown investigation. None of the elite runners from the Boston Marathon on that day remember Rosie ever being a part of their pack. Basically, between the beginning of the race, the start of the race, and mile 25, none of those elite runners ever remember seeing Rosie or watching Rosie pass them in any capacity. So, unfortunately, Rosie was stripped not only of her Boston Marathon victory, but she was also stripped of her New York City marathon qualifier as well and ultimately had to answer a lot of tough questions about um, why she cheated to to win one of the most or, or attempt to win one of the greatest races 
in the world. And the moral of this story, in my opinion, has a biblical um, principle tied to it. And that is part of running to finish well is following the rules. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 5. We're going to be looking at Paul's instructions to Timothy, who at this point was a commissioned pastor, a protege, if you will, of the Apostle Paul. And what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, he says, Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So what is Paul saying essentially to Timothy in this verse? Well, he's saying a hard truth that I think we all need to hear. And it's that if we're going to look at life like a race, and the whole point of this race is to, to start well, to run well, and to finish well, then we can't circumvent the rules. Life has rules. In the Bible, um, God's Word is full of rules about running this race that we call life. And I know that that's controversial to even say on this podcast because nobody wants to talk about the rules. Uh, for some reason, the rules have this negative connotation tied to them that that God's Word is just a buzzkill and it's just a book loaded with all these rules and it's just exhausting to follow these rules. And I don't really think it is. I think at the heart of the matter, the rules um, cast this blinding spotlight on sin and as sinful beings, sometimes we protect our sin and we, we, we try to hide it from others. And, and in many cases, we even love our sin. And we don't like anything that compromises us having to showcase or repent from our sin. So sometimes church get, gets a bad rap. Um, Christians even get a bad rap. Uh, God's word gets a bad rap because it just looks like a bunch of uh, rules to follow. And um, it's it's not really like that. I want to I want to challenge you through listening to this podcast to look at the rules through a different lens. They are there. They are important. But there is so much to be gained by acknowledging the rules that God gives us. In fact, the rules are for our benefit. The rules that this book has to teach us ultimately lead us to find the best life in Christ that we would have never been able to forge on our own. That's the reality of it. These rules are meant to protect us. They're meant to teach us about the enemy, the real threat, Satan, the father of lies. Uh, It's meant to teach us about his deceptive ways. Also, it's just a good guide to live by. Um, It helps you avoid the pitfalls of life. It doesn't eliminate your suffering or persecution, but instead it teaches you how to compete, or in this case, to engage in ministry according to the rules of Christ's teachings and his example. And that is the path to a life of victory in him. One image of a successful Christian life is what's mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, and it's what you need to do to receive what's called the unfading crown of glory. So if you have your Bible, flip on over to 1 Peter chapter 5, looking at verse 4, and it says, And when the chief shepherd, that's God, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, the unfortunate thing about that story that I told about Rosie Ruiz 
one of the most unfortunate things is it's true, but that crown that Rosie had, even if she would have got to keep it for winning the Boston Marathon, it's still going to fade away. You don't get to take anything with you to eternity, but over and over again in God's Word, we're reminded about all of these different crowns and treasures that can be stored up in heaven based on how we live our lives today. Um, So I just want to be able to talk to you about just what are some of the the big rules of this life? What are some of the, the big rules of this race that we're running right now? Well, I noticed a while back that my Bible had this insert, and it was very fascinating, and it was a collection of Scripture that talks about the rules of God and the importance of rules. So I'm just going to read a few selections. Maybe this might be a good point where you just listen. I don't know that I would necessarily flip around in your Bible because all this is going to be Scripture-based. I'll mention the Scripture, but you're you're welcome to just listen. Um, first of all, God, the God we serve, is a very orderly God. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, be sure that everything is done properly and in order. God likes order. But God also has standards. John chapter 14, verse 21 says, and this is Jesus speaking, those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, did you hear that first part? I'm going to read it again. Jesus said very clearly, those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. And I really think that portion of scripture points back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, which is almost the scripture that is the inspiration for this podcast. If you'll remember in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 21, Jesus is very clear that not everyone who cries out to him, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, to know me is one thing. There's lots of people today that are throwing my name around. That they claim to know me, but I don't know them. I know the ones that love me. And how do I know that they love me? They love me because they love me and do the will of my Father. They obey my commands. That's what love looks like to Jesus. Jesus doesn't get behind tossing his name around. Jesus doesn't appreciate your name dropping. He appreciates your love. He appreciates you following his commands, and he appreciates you submitting to the will of the Father. Just dropping Jesus's name is not enough. There's so much more that goes into the relationship than just name dropping. He also says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how complete they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say that they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And lastly, we have what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it says here, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong 
and it teaches us to do what is right. I love to look back and see the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and how Jesus perfectly models for us what a loving God, but also a just God looks like. So just to wrap up today, just to land the plane, I'm going to read to you from John chapter 8, and I'm going to begin at verse 1 and go through the story of the woman caught in adultery. And it says here, uh, beginning at chapter 8, verse 1 of the book of John, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around to him, and he sat down to teach. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. I think what's interesting about that statement, that last statement that Jesus made, is while Jesus is all loving, And in this story, Jesus showed a lot of mercy. Remember, mercy is not receiving a punishment that you deserve. By the law of Moses, this lady that was caught in the act of adultery deserved to be stoned. Jesus showed her a lot of mercy in this situation, as you would expect from a God who is abundantly overflowing with grace and mercy. But he didn't let her off the hook for the sin. One of the last things that he said is, leave your life of sin. Other translations of the Bible says that Jesus said, go and sin no more. See, in that moment, Jesus showcases for us what it looks like for God to be completely all merciful and full of grace and love and compassion, but also just and patient with his justice, maybe sometimes even delaying his justice. So the point for today is that life has rules, just like the Boston Marathon has rules. You can't cut corners of the race. You can't ride the subway to the finish line and expect to be crowned the champion. You've got to follow the rules of the race. And what does following the rules of the race look like? Well, in a nutshell, I believe it looks like following Jesus. When you follow Jesus, when you follow his example, when you abide by his teachings, and when you seek the will of the Father, you are essentially following the rules of this race that we call life. So I want to pray for you. Um, I don't know where you're at with your rule following. I know where I'm at. I break rules all the time, sometimes by accident, sometimes intentionally. That just comes with being a sinful being. But the Lord has really worked on me these past few years and continues to work on me today. You know, it never fails. Anytime I open God's word, I go to read it, but it ends up reading me. 
and it ends up showing me sin in my life that I didn't even know was there. And the more that I dive into that word and the more that I attempt to follow Jesus and be a good disciple of Jesus, the more I realize that there are still some rules that I have a lot to learn about. There are still some things that I can do to pick up the pace and really power through that finish line and finish well. And that would be my prayer for you today. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray that that those that are listening to this podcast have obviously put a priority on their Christian walk. They're seeking to be anything but nominal when it comes to being a Christ follower. They want to be a true disciple. And I just want to pray for all of us because we all struggle with some of the rules that this book has to tell us, or maybe we even struggle with some of the hard teachings of Jesus. Um, This world has its temptations. It has its own pitfalls And my prayer would be that we would see the value in the teachings of Jesus, that we would see that this book is not an exhausting list of rules to follow. It's not a bunch of checkboxes that we need to check off, but instead it's a guide for living a life worth living and running through that finish line with a pace that we're proud of. Let's pray. Father God, We praise you and we love you. We thank you so much for being our father and for desiring us and for sitting on your throne and exercising a lot of patience with us, for giving us grace and mercy, things that we don't deserve, but for also being just. Father God, I pray for everyone that's listening to this podcast. I pray knowing that I don't know where they are in their walk or in their discipleship with you. But Father God, I pray, like you have with me, that you would continue to reveal sin in our lives so that we can repent and turn from it and turn towards you. Father God, I pray that we would invest time in your word and invest time in prayer with you so that you can teach us. You can teach us the rules of this life, the things, the commands that you've put forth to help us live well and to serve you well and to bring glory to God through everything we say, through everything we do, and through everything we think. Father God, I just thank you for the promise that you've given all of us, that the good work that you've started in us, you intend to finish. And I praise you for that. Father God, forgive us for our sins as we are sinful beings. Help us to turn away from that sin and turn towards you in humble obedience. We ask all these things in the name of your precious, precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Running With God podcast. More than nominal Christianity. Send us an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com.